Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The Last Dalai Lama takes a fresh look at what is important for the 14th Dalai Lama at 80 years old. The historic confrontation between Tibet and China, his influence in political, spiritual, and educational spheres, and his personal feelings on aging, dying, and whether he will be the last Dalai Lama. The film artfully weaves archival and contemporary footage from Mickey Lemley's groundbreaking Compassion in Exile, the story of the 14th Dalai Lama, produced in 1991. Intimate interviews with His Holiness, shot over 25 years apart, and interviews with his family, Westerners, and that he's inspired in his exile. There is music by Philip Glass and Tibetan musicians Tenzin Chogol, and this beautiful film, The Last Dalai Lama. We're fortunate enough today to have with us the director of the film, The Last Dalai Lama, and that would be Mickey Lemley. Mickey, welcome to Film School. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Well, tell me, obviously you have history with uh, Dalai Lama, Tenzin Yatso. You have history with him, and this 25-year separation between film projects. Uh, what was uh, What was your... Is there any difference in him as a person, I'm, or what, what? What did you see in him in this difference of these many years between these two film projects? But also, uh, what was the prompting for you to move forward with doing a documentary on him at the age of eighty? Well, I first met him in person in 1984 uh, uh, in a small reception, and I was just blown away by how funny he was, and he wasn't at all what I expected. Um, uh, he was at a big conference, and uh, he gave a formal talk to 800 people. And um, at the end of it, there was a Q&A, and some woman asked him, Your Holiness, what do you think is going to happen in the world 50 years from now? And every other speaker at the conference answered this woman. She asked the same question of every speaker. And when she asked His Holiness, he thought deeply about the question, for several moments, and then he looked at her and said, Madam, I don't have any idea, and <laughs> just cracked up. And he said, I don't know what kind of tea I'm having for dinner tonight. How am I supposed to know what's going to happen in the world 50 years from now? <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, when was the last time I heard a political or religious leader acknowledge that they didn't know something? Yeah. And I couldn't think of a single example. And then <clears throat> when I met him in person um, uh, about an hour later, I was just overwhelmed by this, his aura, his presence, and it's palpable. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners in L.A. have met charismatic movie stars, celebrities, politicians. But when you meet them, they can look you in the eye and you're the only person in the room. Um, but you can see the wheels turning and they're thinking, who is this person and how can I use them for me? But with His Holiness... He looks deep into your, your soul and thinks, who is this person and what do they need? How can I help them? And so you're overwhelmed by the sense of kindness. Um, he's, as I said, he's also really funny and he's yeah. really smart. 
Um, I've, I've been with him in conferences with cutting-edge scientists and neuroscientists, and he, 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 his understanding of their work is, is profound. Um, and um, uh, so I was, I was drawn to, to tell his story uh, in the first movie 25 years ago. It was the first major movie to be made about him. Nobody had done one at that point. And um, I thought it was important to tell the story of of what was going on in Tibet with the invasion and occupation by the, the People's Republic of China, and um, it, and then, but to tell it through his story, which was totally intertwined with that. Um, and um, uh, as I said, it was the first major uh, movie to be made about it, and. The feeling at the time when we started the project was that if the world only knew about what was going on inside Tibet with the Chinese occupation, that something would have to change. And um, yeah. and sadly, it it has changed, but for the worse. Yeah. Well, in in approaching him about this project, I assume that you had communication because you talk. There is obviously you had access to him during the making of this film, The Last uh, Dalai Lama. Um, any, I can't imagine there would be. I don't even know if this is a good question, to be honest. But was there any trepidation on his part? Would it, any difference in his reaction um, to the from the time you worked with him in the first film? Well, <clears throat> when, I, when I went to, to talk to him about the first film, um, uh, I was brought, he was staying in a monastery for a few days, in New Jersey, and I, I was brought there, um, met him, and, and basically pitched the movie to him. And he listened very carefully and very deeply, and at the end of my pitch, he looked at me and he said, do you think this is a worthwhile undertaking? And I said, Your Holiness, if I didn't think it was a worthwhile undertaking, I wouldn't spend my time doing it. And he looked at me with those great eyes and he said, you know, that's a very American way of looking at it. <laughs> and he cracked up. And years later, after spending years with Tibetan Buddhists uh, and with him, uh, he told me once, the most important part of any action that you take is what's your motivation. Mm. He said to me, if you, have, if you go on a peace march and you have anger in your heart, stay home. The only way to go on a peace march is with peace in your heart. And so what he was asking me was, what was my motivation? Yeah. I missed that completely, took it into my ego, and that's where I answered from. And uh, he just looked at me, but since he's the world's most compassionate person, <laughs> he took compassion on my ignorance and said, well, let's do the movie. <laughs> and, um, and then over the course of making the movie and then showing it to him, and um, uh, uh, we, we, we got closer, uh, um, and then um, after that, I was uh, honored by being asked to be the chairman of the board of uh, the Tibet Fund, which is a foundation that was started under his auspices to look after cultural, the cultural preservation of the Tibet, of Tibet and um, humanitarian efforts. And so I've, I've had contact with him over the 25 years, pretty much every year I, I see him. I'm very blessed. To, to have that in my life, and um, um, we've gotten to know each other, uh, you know, very well. And um, so, when I approached him with the new movie, um, I said, "You know, Your Holiness, a lot's changed 
um, for both of us in the last 25 years, and <laughs> I think it's time to make a new movie. And and he agreed, and um, off off we went. Yeah. And and this this one's different, though. I mean, uh, he as as you mentioned in the introduction, he he, he we were filming uh, while he turned 80. Um, and um, I, in, in the intervening years, I felt there's now he's, he's urge, there's an urgency to his when he talks to people. It's, I mean, it's not frenetic, but he's. It's like when he meets each person he meets. It feels like this might be the only time that they meet. So he gives wants to give them the most important thing he can. Yeah. And it's the same to the world. And the most important thing to him now is this sharing this knowledge that the Tibetans have had for a thousand years about how to overcome negative afflictive emotions, yeah. the technology for that. And they held it, and, uh, but now he feels like it really belongs to the world. And he felt like if it came from any single spiritual tradition, that the others wouldn't buy it. The other uh, religious traditions wouldn't buy it. So 25 years ago, he challenged a bunch of cutting-edge neuroscientists to explore scientifically these technologies. And he didn't say prove it. He said explore it. And if you find value in it, and share it as widely as possible. And I don't think it's a coincidence that 25 years ago was really the start of this mindfulness movement that's now spread all over everything. Um, I, I, somebody told me that there's now mindfulness mayonnaise even in, the, in some health food stores. <laughs> so uh, it, it's it's really spread pretty widely. But but I I, I think it was that was the beginning of it. Yeah. And and what they have found. Uh, through using all the modern technologies of neuroscience, like MRI machines and CAT scans and so forth, is that your level of happiness uh, and your level of compassion that you're capable of is not something you're born with. It's not like a fixed, uh, it's not fixed, that you can actually increase your level of happiness, you can increase your uh, capacity for compassion, and you can diminish your your negative emotions like anger, greed, jealousy, hatred, violence, ignorance, you can d d decrease those um, through a meditation process. That, that is something that is, this, we were, there's so many different values. There are so many, so many benefits to be derived from this, this kind of a approach to life, this process of understanding life. And that is among the most important is that we have abilities as they're finding out uh, in regards to declining mental uh, acuity um, re re around the mind whether it's Alzheimer's or some dementia or whatever they're finding that there are ways for us to in fact either mitigate hold off or eliminate the idea the possibility of this things happening as a as a way of exercising our 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 given ability to, to do what you're talking about and it's in the film the the atlas of emotions you talk about they talk about that in the film and how important it is and just one observation i think two things actually you're right even in the film you can see a, a degree of directness in his approach to people 
he doesn't he, he's not in the film you're not seeing him waste a lot of time getting to the point of what he's trying to convey to people and i doubt that's ever been something that he has not done but there as you said this urgency and it comes across in the last last dalai lama and the other thing is my observation in regards to my exposure to buddhism being around people who profess buddhism is that it is a it is a philosophy whatever you call it a religion if you will that is about demystification it is that is the thing i think i i i most appreciate is it demystif it it's an attempt to demystify life and make it something that's accessible to everyone and understanding it and appreciating it compassion the things that make us who we are make us human beings i think that's the thing that i've always been drawn to about it is that the laughter how often do religions promote laughter and joy and it is a sense of spiritual well-being and it's that demystification of our of our condition that the thing that has appealed to me so much over the years uh-huh i, I think that's very perceptive um the, the dalai lama said to me once he said um tibetan buddhism is both a religion but it's also a science of the mind and the religion has to do with rituals and, tra and traditions like that but the science of the mind is is really a 2500 year old psychiatry or yeah. psychology right. i mean freudian psychology has only been around 150 years yeah. this has been around for 2500 and they've really perfected this technology and they've held it <clears throat> um up in tibet for the rest of us and the dalai lama felt like now was the time to share it with the rest of the world. And, you know, uh, really we all think that the voice that we hear inside of our head is telling us the truth. But really it's just our mind creating our reality for us. And the, the first step in, in becoming clear about that is to, uh, the Dalai Lama says to, in, in the movie, he says to a group of, of high school seniors that this one young woman asked him how can we live healthy and productive lives the first thing he says to her is make a map of your mind he said don't judge what's in it just map out your mind map out your emotions and so you can see how your well-being and your 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 present your life moment to moment is affected by your emotions and especially negative emotions um, afflictive emotions that can color the way you see everything and it's not the truth it's just what your mind is creating out of out of projecting onto phenomenon and uh, uh, so like for instance if, if you see somebody and you say god that guy's a real jerk and then you see the person the next day you say you know that guy's really a jerk and you think I've always thought he was a jerk, and I'm really smart and perceptive for understanding that that guy's a jerk. Well, you you keep re uh, reaffirming your own your own uh, biases like that, mm -hmm. and um, you know it's uh, it's what creates your reality. Right. And the way to, the, the the way to to deal with that is if you have a meditation practice, you start to see how your mind is creating your reality. And, um, and and seeing how the thoughts, as they rise, are creating, you know, how you feel in, in any given moment. And over time, you, 
you can then, you don't have to react to them. You don't have to engage in the, the thoughts. You can observe them. And an example of this was uh, last summer. I was invited to two very special events on the same weekend. One was uh, in Denmark and one was in England. And I thought about which one I, I really wanted to go to and, uh, and made a choice to go to England. And the minute I made the choice, I was totally regretful that I hadn't decided to go to Denmark. And, and, and over the next week or so, any time I started a sentence in my mind with, um, if only I had, I knew that I was destined to like at least four hours of, of depression and regret. And, um, you know, I mean, all and all the regrets from my life came into that, like yeah. the girls I hadn't kissed in, in junior high school right, and, right. And from there on. <laughs> and and um, and so so I, as soon as I, I thought, if only I had, I stopped, stopped my my thought process and thought to myself, do I want to go into, you know, the next four hours of, of regret? Or do I want to enjoy being here in the in the present with my friends? And so um, that's that, that's possible when when you observe how your thoughts are creating a reality. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's 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 the way to uh, that the Tibetans have have held to overcome these negative emotions. I mean, if you live every day angry or every day in re, in remorse or every day in greed or or um in violence i mean that's what your life becomes and 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 it's not a given no it's not a given i think that's so important to whatever ability we possess you know our minds allow us to we can make that decision when we can make a conscious decision to your to what you're talking about to choose compassion uh joy all of the things that we can choose. There are many things in our life we do not have any control over, but we do have a degree to the extent that we develop it, as you, as th- this film so wonderfully lays out, and in his teachings as well, and the teachings of Buddhism. And that's another thing uh, that uh, I appreciate about Buddhism is it tends to not want you to focus on a particular individual. I think I think I'm right in saying this, and correct me if I'm wrong. There's a, 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 a teaching in Buddhism that if you if you meet the Buddha on the road, what is it, kill him or I mean it, 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 yeah, yeah, they, they say that because the, it, the Buddha is not it's not the a, thing a physical, it's not a physical thing right it's it, it's it's uh, it's like a concept and right. if you con- right. if you concretize it you get into trouble I mean yeah. uh, Joseph Campbell always used to say that that all religion is metaphor. Yeah. And if you concretize the the metaphor, that's where you get into trouble. That's so right. He would say, like, you know, that Christ died and rose to heaven in three days. Well, he said, well, where's heaven? If if, if Christ was traveling at the speed of light, <laughs> he wouldn't be out of the out of the uh, out of the uh, <laughs> you know the the universe yet. And and um, you know, but but it's all yeah. metaphor. It is all he, metaphor. He, exactly. You know, he he would say the. The, the the virgin birth, which is a recurring theme in many mythologies, is is not that you know that Mary never did it. It's it's the, the virgin birth is a metaphor for the spontaneous create uh, eruption of spirit in matter. I mean, our bodies are are physical matter. So where does spirit come from? Right. 
you know, and I was, I was having this conversation with uh, a, a neuroscientist who's very c- concrete in their thinking about the brain as a three-pound blob of, of matter, and, <laughs> and they, they, their position was that all consciousness came out of that, that material, the three-pound blob. And I said, I don't believe that Beethoven's Ninth Symphony or that Van Gogh's paintings came out of just pure matter. You know, there's something else there, yeah. and 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 so, so it's 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 if it, it, when you concretize any religion yeah. or any mythology, that's where you get into trouble. I want to remi- look at it, if you look at it as metaphor, you know, uh, that, then yeah. uh, then you don't. So so you don't. You know, the world wasn't created in seven days. Right. It's metaphoric yeah. for the process. You know, but but when you believe that, and you know, you believe that, you know, that it's. 5,000 years old and the dinosaurs were here when people were here and that there's no such thing as you know climate change that's where you get into trouble yes you do um, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Mickey Lemley and <clears throat> pardon me he's the director of the new film The Last Dalai Lama um, so much I, I, it's funny I'm struggling to not just talk about philosophies and the ways of thinking and all as we're discussing this film because it lends itself so much for uh, the, the the viewer to want to just I can't imagine walking out of your film and not wanting to turn to the person next to you and say start talking about the mind and your thought process and compassion and all these different things that it's brought up because because the Dalai Lama is, in fact, he's not, he has he pushes people away from this concretizing, as you're talking about it, and into understanding the world we live in 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 very different ways. And so, in a way, it is related to your film because it's just that's how it feels. But just to touch a little bit on his life, and um, as you talked about Tibet and the importance of, could of, I just could I just, sure. just say say, say sure. what just add one little thing there? Sure. Um, Ivan Lendl, when he was the best tennis player in the world, um, somebody asked him, they said, to what do you attribute your success? And he said, being totally honest about the feedback, about feedback. Mm-hmm. So it's being very, very honest without overlaying phenomenon with his desire or his fears, just really seeing every single backhand, how well he did it. You know, not not trying to bolster himself and not trying to put himself down, right. just real clear feedback, and and that's that's the goal of all of this understanding of how the mind works, is to get very clear feedback about reality, without well, without the overlay of your your fear or desire. Well, also inherent in what you're saying, isn't there a a, a, a deep trust in the mind itself that when left to those devices as you're describing them the way that we go about assessing ourselves and the honesty in which we do that and that process isn't there a tremendous amount of uh confidence that the mind if given those tools and and that ability will in fact be the positive the compassionate the understanding the 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 joy isn't isn't that really what we're trying to get to when you say that in a manner of speaking that this well, this faith in the mind itself to do the right well, thing well seeing seeing reality clearly without an, a, a projection of fear or desire when you when you can see reality clearly uh, 
ultimately it's it's enlightenment that that's 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 when one becomes enlightened and part of that is is it naturally um wisdom and and compassion just rise yeah yeah, well, I yeah, one of the one of the great metaphors and uh, for me personally is the uh, the idea of um, life as a river, and the idea that you only you can't dip your toe into the same river twice, right? And, right. And that idea, and that for me explains the mind. It explains life experiences in so many different ways uh, of of looking at it in, in ways that make sense to me. What have you learned over your this not only this you know this twenty five year arc of of the, your relationship with the Dalai Lama? What what as a filmmaker and as a person walking coming away from this project when you when you wrapped on this and ready to release it to the world? Uh, were there thoughts in your mind as to sort of not personally or professionally how how did you come from away from this experience uh, in in your thoughts and in your your own life? Well, I, I've been truly blessed to have met and filmed some of the great beings of our time. Um, um, I, I filmed the men, who, the men who went to the moon. I filmed astronauts and cosmonauts from uh, ten different countries. I filmed um, Joseph Campbell, yes. uh, 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 Ram Dass, His Holiness, Sir Lawrence Vanderpost, and 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 many others. And each time I do a film, I can see how my worldview shifts. I, I can physically, I mean, I understand how that happens. And when I did the first movie about His Holiness, what I really got from that process, and it's not just being with them, uh, interviewing them, and you know, for over several hours, over several weeks, or whatever it is. It's then I go back to my editing room and spend maybe. Five, uh, eight hours a day for five days a week for a year, meditating on what what they say about these questions that I've asked them, which I try to ask the deepest questions in my heart, um, because it's such a rare opportunity to be able to do that with these beings. And so I meditate, uh, and when I when I edit, I, I treat it as a meditation process. I I try to empty my mind and see the material as if it's for the first time because I put myself in the place for the audience when they see it, it is going to be for the first time so I try to see it as if it's for the first time so I spend maybe a year meditating on these these deep, deep questions that keep me awake at 3 in the morning anyway and and how fortunate I am that that's also my work <clears throat> um, so with when I did the first film about His Holiness um, uh, com- co- uh, compassion and exile. Um, what I really got was that happiness comes not from getting more stuff, or a p- position, or a job, or a social position, or more money, or more sex, or more whatever. Um, but it comes from helping others, and 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 being of service. And when I did. Uh, and then I did this film about Ramdas called Fierce Grace, mm-hmm. and I really got from that film how much of our reality is a projection of our mind mm-hmm. onto phenomenon. And then that was doubled down on this last film with His Holiness. As I said, I really got how much my mind creates my reality. And um, you know, uh, pain—if you take on an incarnation. 
you're going to have pain. There's going to be suffering. Uh, but I've heard the pain is inevitable. The suffering is optional. <laughs> so, you, you, you know, th- th- bad, terrible things are going to happen. You're going to get sick. You're going to die. You're going to people around you are going to die. You're going to hold on to your tech stocks way too long. Things like that. And and so you get, it's going to be painful. But yeah. but whether or not you suffer about that is that's optional. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And you know, and and again, one last sort of observation on on uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama uh, is that. Uh, the humor, I think that is the sort of the, the the secret sauce in here as well. The uh, the in in under as you attain some degree of understanding in life as you as as you experienced it and more um, humor is and joy and that's for me joy as well. Humor is joy for me. Uh, is <clears throat> is that is that a, is that to to put it helps put things in the context for me that I need. And to, and also to step once remove myself one step back and look at it because in order to to be humorous about something you have to be able to put it in another context in another way of looking and seeing it exactly exactly my friend Wavy Gravy says if you don't have a sense of humor it's just not funny <laughs> <laughs> and and. Um, uh. I asked the Dalai Lama about that. I said, you know, I said, Your Holiness, every day you deal with, you know, one of the darkest situations yeah. on the planet. I mean, the the brutal occupation of the Chinese on the Tibetan people. I mean, 150 young people have immolated, immolated themselves to, to protest the, the occupation of, yeah. of Tibet by the Chinese. It's very dark what's going on. And I said... In the middle of this darkness, there's such a lightness to your being. You know, you're so funny, and it's not like you're oblivious to it, but but you, you, there's such a lightness and a joy. And he said, you know, the Chinese have taken so much from me. They they took my home. They took my country. They've, they're trying to take my uh, religious tradition. He said, I'm not going to let them take my joy as well. Yeah. yeah there you go. Well, I... Mickey Lemley, thank you for spending this time with us. Thank you so much for the film, The Last Dalai Lama. I want to let people know that it's opening today here at the Lemley Monica Theater in Santa Monica Film Center. Um, you can go to the Lemley website. You can also go to the com. You can see where the screenings are, not just in Los Angeles area, but all over the country as the film opens and moves around the country and stay on top of that. Uh, as well as find out more about the film and as well as about uh, Mickey's work, um, previous work. Uh, So, Mickey Lemley, it's been a real joy, true joy, to talk to you. First of all, for the film, thank you uh, for just a a window into a world of a a person who has brought as much as he can to to the world. And um, I just appreciate the film as well and i appreciate your conversation with us today thank well, you Well, thank you so much and i i I'd just like to add that i will be at the lemley theater oh. on friday night saturday night and sunday night uh for a q a if there's uh oh okay okay if, if anybody want, heard anything that they want to challenge me about or or uh or or whatever uh, please come and tell your friends
Very good. That's the Lemley Monica Film Center. That's on 3rd Street, 3rd Street Promenade in Santa Monica. Terrific experience just to be in the theater, especially to be around people who care about films. And no better experience in seeing a movie than to be, to be able to listen, to, to talk to uh, and question the filmmakers themselves. And so that's wonderful. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I, I certainly hope to make it up there to... Uh, to put a face to uh, to our conversation as well. Yeah, you check out their website. This, I'll, I'll be there for just one of the screenings. Right. I, I, I'm not sure which what the time is exactly. Well, it's usually have. around the seven o'clock. Whatever it's I seven. I believe that's, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah, but check their website. It says it says seven p.m. screenings. So I assume that's what. But do check the website and make sure that that is in fact correct. That this is from today. So I'm not exactly sure. But um, Mickey, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Great question. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.